You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. So, Andre. Yes. We have some wine here on the table. Yes. And, um, of course, the one that looks really interesting, you finished. Yes. So it's just a bottle. Yeah. This is yep. one of these Murphy Good 2015 California Merlot that you're teasing me with. So uh, that can go away. But uh, That's pretty good, too. What I, uh, what I, what I poured for you here yeah. today... Um, just because we're back in the Toronto studio and we haven't we haven't done a Toronto studio gig in in some time. No, we have not. Uh, um, one of your favorite labels, yes, uh, on the planet that is no more. Yep, uh, is this old Shadow de Charm 2002 Cab Merlot, and if I'm not mistaken, this is all estate fruit, and it's my last bottle of this, and um, uh, just to it's smelling old. I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to give give that right away. It's kind of got a leathery, totally leather. This this smells like baseball glove right right away. Yeah, a little baseball glove, a little and tobacco. Like it smells like a baseball stadium, old oven mitt. <laughs> Just, but I am getting like a little bit of that, floor. like like prune. Yeah, there's a pruny note to it, and uh... and. Well, you know what? The neck, the neck of the bottle, yeah, had the now old school VQA logo on it. Yes, yeah, it did have the old old school VQA logo. Because you and I have been so busy in traveling, we haven't had a chance to talk about the VQA logo. Yeah, and um, I I don't really know where to where to go with it. Well, Michael, what do you think of the new VQA logo? Do you like it? Um, uh, I I don't. Um, I think it looks like every other logo these days. Everybody's got grapes hanging down from their logo, like the BC Wines Institute has got it, and the, one of the wine racks, the wine shops have got you know the grapes. It's just it it is it's typical. It is very uh, typical of of anything with wine these days has to have grapes. Hanging down from them, and I, I you well, know, the old VQA logo has grapes as well. It's got a bunch of grapes at the bottom of it. Correct, but it's just a, it's just a small, tiny thing, and the VQA is larger. And I just, I don't know if it was money well spent, um, because you know it's a classic. And, and I, and I, and I well, think I brought the Shadow to Charm. That's, that's a classic label, and you really love the old Shadow to Charm label. And to be fair, when we talk about money spent on the VQA logo, I don't think it was our money. That was spent. Like it wasn't government money that was spent, was it? I I don't know who spends that money. I guess the, the government funds VQA. Do they not? Or the wineries fund VQA? Who well, funds we don't the know VQA? who funds the VQA. Who funds the VQA? I'm not really sure. I guess I guess it would have to be the wineries as they pay their dues and they whatever they do uh, would fund it. And did the wineries have a vote on it, or did they just kind of go do what the hell you want? Or does VQA just do what the hell they want anyway and just let us know? Well, like this... those marketing dollars that those stupid commercials that, you know, taste untamed. Okay, I love the commercials. I do not like those commercials. I like at the all. commercials. The commercials the commercials do give you a sense of, of what you're looking for. Taste untamed? What the hell does that mean? 
Yeah, but you can tell that it's a commercial for of wine. Of course it's tamed because it's typicity. If you look at the VQA, all they're about is typicity. So to say taste untamed is a lie to Are the you public. Let me finish the thought. You don't no. need, or is this one of those podcasts where you just yeah, cut me I'm off? I'm just going to yell. No. I mean, the commercials are good. The commercials, you know that it's commercials for wine. And one of the biggest problems with, oh, with VQA is uh, it, that I've heard over and over again from wineries over the 10 years that I've been writing about wine now is that uh, it's, it's tough to let the average consumer know what VQA stands for. Well, here's why I don't like it, and I, and I think it's the tagline, Taste Untamed. And that's, that's not true. It's a total lie because all they want to do is tame Ontario wines. All they want to do is you know, talk about typicity. They want to say, okay, well, you made a Chardonnay, but it doesn't taste like Chardonnay. And that's where you got, you know, stupid places like Pearl Morris said who had black ball Riesling. And the reason they got their, they got a, uh, you know, uh, all in the paper is because, oh, we got black ball because we, you know, our, our Riesling didn't taste Michael, the way it should have. Michael, just shut up. You're getting like way too literal about like the meaning of the word untamed and tamed. You know, the, the purpose of the ad is to make Ontario wines look like they're more exciting than their counterparts on the shelf. That's it. And the word untamed is it's not meant to be taken literally. It's a slogan. It's a slogan to say Ontario wines are exciting. That's a bad slogan. No, it's not. It's bad. You're too old. That's it. You're too old. You're, you're sure. not the target audience. All right. You're not Fine. the target I'm audience. Already, and I'm already drinking Ontario wine, so I guess I don't have to need, know that it's untamed. And I know too much. How about that? Yes, I, I'd agree with all those things. I know. I know Sometimes too. not enough. Too much about the, the Ontario wine industry, and, and it's, uh, you know the, the the ins and outs, right? So there's a lot of crap that goes on. But anyway, that's just that's just that. So. Um, but you and I, we, we talked a little bit about the new VQA logo and the rebranding. And you know what? There's one of those things where... I have a feeling you like it. I don't. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what? And I think when we talk about the podcast, like, I really want to like it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm really just like... I like looking forward while at the same time being able to look backwards. But we've talked about wine labels on this podcast a lot. Yeah, I know wine labels are something that you are... I'd say I'm more passionate about absolutely than than I am. I I'm looking in the bottle. You're looking on the outside of the bottle because I realize that whatever you put on the outside of the bottle is going to make people buy it, so they have what's on the inside of the bottle. Correct. But the outside of the bottle is only going to make you buy it once. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, is anyone going to not buy a bottle of EQA wine because of the logo? No. 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 That's absolutely not going to happen. But I, I do agree with you that it is. It, it does look a little bit like background noise. It looks a lot like the the BC wine logo. It looks a lot like exactly like you said, the wine shop logo, right? I think whatever one it is, a wine rack, wine or shop, wine rack, whatever it is, the they have the grapes hanging down. And there's a hundred, but, but there's a hundred grape, other things. It's, it's that not I've just seen the grapes. grapes. It's not just the grapes hanging down though. It's the grapes hanging down like a set of well racked pool balls ready to be hit. You know, like it's very geographic or sorry, uh, geometric. It's a little bit cold. Bowling, it's bowling pins. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, looking from above, obviously. Yeah, it's a little bit sort of cold. It's a little bit, you know, kind of mechanical. I, I understand that maybe you're trying to make something look a little bit more official, but the thing is, I feel like the original VQA logo, where we're finally getting to the point where people are looking starting to recommend or starting yeah. to recognize it, and it's at the point where it's got kind of a retro feel to it. Yeah, and not in a bad way. You even take a look at uh, what. Premier Doug Ford did with the Province of Ontario logo. Uh, he's switched it back from the three guys in a hot tub 
you know, last generation of logo. And it's not a partisan issue, so I don't need to say who designed the logo. But the new Ontario logo, like the new provincial logo, is a throwback to the old school Trillium logo from the 80s. And it's instantly recognizable. Correct. So, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking right now at the, and I don't have my glasses on, because uh, I posted something recently. I think you got a good laugh out of it. But my newest, um, my newest addition to my pen and my pad of paper and my, you know, the, the booklets at, at a tasting are now a pair of, of cheaters. So I can read stuff that's in these booklets. But what is it you're looking to read here? I'll, 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 uh, well, I'll I know, I, I know very, very much, like right on the top of that logo, I, I think it says Vintner Quality Alliance, does it not? It's it very does. Small. And, and and the new one is it's gone from that, isn't it? You know, I'm okay with Vintner Quality Alliance Correct. being gone because it is it is something that you know. And I was fine with that too. I just, as you said, I don't like the bowling pin, pool ball grapes that they have done. And as I Cause, said, because this logo actually looks more like a real bunch of grapes. Correct. So you know what? If you wanted to refresh it, get rid of the Vintner's Quality Alliance written along the top, <laughs> and. Uh, just maybe maybe expand the VQA so it's a little bit bigger so that it's not such a small thing on the bottle. Uh, but that grapes bunch actually looks like real grapes. Like well, what they ish. Have I mean, it's a like a like a comic book interpretation of Co- it. Correct. But what what we what we got I now? Love, is, I just listen. I hate when we talk about like some of the nitpicky bull on this podcast. But for some reason, the rebrand of that logo. It, it's just it grinds my gears because it's somehow at the same time while it's trying to look forward still. Looking backwards, because if you take a look at how the logo is presented in the materials, it's like a gradient gold. Like it's kind of like a gold fade from like darker to lighter over top of it. And that's like that's just not a style of coloring that's really used in any modern graphics. I, I, I was just I just saw it because they, they had such a buildup of it. Oh, the VQA is getting a, a, a rebranding. Look for this. Blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know if I was excited I, I think just because of who I am, I was a little jaded going, oh, yeah, this is this is going to turn into a show. And I, I wasn't disappointed. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like the episode of Simpsons when they add Poochie. Oh, yeah, I didn't watch that one. Okay, well, to anyone under the age of forty, you understood that. Reference. I'm sure. I'm sure they did, but <laughs> it, it, it just didn't. It didn't strike me as a really great logo, and and I don't know what everybody out there thinks of it. And I would. I would like to know. Maybe we're in the minority uh, of of the of the logo. Totally, totally. Reach out to us at, at so, our fancy email address, two guys talking wine at gmail dot com, or when you see it on Facebook or Twitter. Tag us for sure. Let us know what you think of the new logo. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not a fan. Um, I like I like this retro wine we had, which yes. is the Chateau you de know Charme. What? This actually isn't my favorite of the Chateau de Charme logos. This is kind of the oh. in between. The um, the logo you brought it's the 2002 Cab Merlot. We've been fortunate enough to enjoy some of the Chateau de Charme wines that are a little bit older, right? Yeah, nice. where it's like the ninety nine. Yep, it's like the the logo is just on the front oh. and it has the winery on it. But the thing I love about oh, this I remember label, the square label right. that just said like Cabernet Franc across right. the front. Yes, but it still had the picture of the winery. Yep, it was gold lettering, so you got your shininess, which is perfect for. Yep, I know you. You someone like me who likes shiny things. Yeah, you do. I I sometimes throw a toonie on the floor just to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> but we're at the point where like some of the wineries in Ontario like. One of the things most wineries do is they refresh their labels every few years. I'll be honest; I still miss the stirring man on the uh, oh the Trius label on the Trius labels yeah. 
especially on like the the, the tree is red. But we're at the point where is that like the Burning Man? Something like that. Okay, I think but, so. so the Stirring Man, yeah. But I mean, some of these wineries have been around long enough that their old Legos, le- their old logos, and their old labels, and their see, old Legos. See, that's what happened. Was I, I wanted to say labels and logos, and yeah. somehow it became Legos. Uh, but they've got a real retro feel to them, and I feel like you can own that on some of your top tier wines. I would love it if the next vintage of the St. David's Bench Chateau de Charme wines had that lo- had been, those labels from the right. 90s. Shout out to them. And I would, I would buy the shit out of that just for the logo because I'd feel great bringing that back. So just because neither one of us has, has tried this, and I thought, you know, since we have some wines on the table, let's let's. And we're talking nostalgia and retro. This is the 30th. Yeah, you know, 30th is, version. This is a 30th anniversary uh, edition for Henry of Pelham, and they, I think they've done a nice job here. They got the shiny tree yes. on the front just for you, or I guess that's a vine. I'm, I'm a fan of the Henry of Pelham labels, how they've evolved over the years. So this is a Baco Noir bin uh, 106, 30th <laughs> vintage limited edition. No, I think I read that right, didn't okay. I? Bin 106, yes, no, you're correct. Look at me. 2018? Because it was shiny. I could see it. And this was Baco, so there's a good chance this was harvested before the rainy fall kicked in in October. Correct. So we're looking at, uh, wow, we're looking at uh, 13% alcohol. Uh, and what they've done here, because of the, the, the specialness of this wine, is that the, the logo is now embossed a little bit. The, the I love vine. embossed logos and labels. And it actually stands out. So we're going to get our first taste of this. And uh, I thought what the... I like the nose. It's meaty. It actually is. It has a, has a lot of meatiness to it. Um, you know, some, you know my thoughts on Baco. We got some beef jerky turkey. But I mean, Henry Appellum, and I know Daniel Speck's going to go, oh, I'm going to get you to like Baco. Uh, no, I still don't like Baco, but I mean, you know, I, I understand a good one. Let, let's, talk about, just, let's just talk about this wine and our impressions of this wine. Okay. Everyone knows you don't like Baco, and um, the more I get down the rabbit hole, the further away I'm moving away from Baco Noir. Yeah, but I think Henry Palm still does the best job in the province. Well, there we go. You uh, you agitate this. So this is definitely something that's been built to age because yeah, there's a little, a little bit jerky. of agitation, but the beef jerky blows away and it turns into uh, like allspice. Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of a spiced raspberry going on. Yeah, allspice, raspberry, um, anise. Yeah. Yeah, it actually smells pretty good. All right, here goes. And so it's uh, down the hatch is a, what is, what is okay. the, what, What's the old saying? Uh, over the lips and past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. So here we go. <laughs> I don't know where I got that one from. That's a lot of vanilla on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's one of the things is... Uh, I would say there's... Um, the Speck Brothers have, all, have, and they've told us that they treat tobacco... Like with, a real wine. Yeah, so... There's American oak in there for definitely. sure. Definitely. Like 100%. Yeah, lots of vanilla, lots of cherry. You know what? That's uh, this is definitely something that's been built to age. Like we're drinking this way too young. Correct. I, I feel like, I feel like in a year, like if you're a Henry F. Pelham Baco fan, and you buy a bottle of this, and you should if you're a Henry F. Pelham Baco fan, um, don't touch it for a year or two. And in a year, this should probably taste a little bit more like that's... you expect. You just let out an expletive. Yeah, this um, it's something interesting about this. It's. I wanted to go Zinfandel, but but not the rich plummy Zinfandel. There's um, there's kind of a, a a backdrop of a little bit of coffee in here. Yep, that's kind I'd of neat. That. And um, 
There's something really kind of kind of cool about this wine. Well, the fruit profile skewing cool climate. Like that's what's keeping me from saying Zinfandel. It's not as cherry raspberry as sometimes the tobacco from Henry Pelham is. This is a little bit more sour cherry. You said raspberry, yeah. wild strawberry. Like it's definitely got it's got a rustic edge to it. But I mean, you expect that from tobacco. But yeah, there's a huge vanilla note. I mean, there's a little red licorice in there too. That's kind of neat. But no sweetness at all. Like this is no, it's dry. not sweet. No, 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 no. There's a, there's a lot of dry, although not so not a flannel sucking. I, I once had a student in one of my classes say, you know, um, tannins uh, were like sucking on a piece of flannel, whereas it takes all the moisture out of your mouth. I think yep. there's there's some really good acidity here. Yep. Um, so it keeps the mo- the mouth moist, but enough tannin to suck a little bit out. So it's well, it's a well balanced bottle of wine. Well, yeah, Speck Brothers, um, you know, you've done it again. I would expect nothing less from you with Baco. And if you are a Baco fan, rush out and buy this. If you're an Ontario wine fan, I think this would be worth checking out for curiosity's sake. Yep, it's, a, it's definitely a, a, a curiosity. And um, yeah, here's, here's, and here's always been my problem. Henry Pelham has brought Baco to, you know, to some, to some great heights as far as Baco can go. But there's some great heights. And I think they drag a lot of people along with them. And that's where you said you go down the rabbit hole of Baco and then you realize that they're just they're just not doing the same as 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 Henry O'Pellum is. Totally. And that's what I that's what I think the problem is that the other ones get raised up because Henry O'Pellum is doing such a good job with it, uh, that you know, people go, Oh, I love Baco and then when you talk to them they're like Oh, I really like the Henry Appellum Baco. Well, you don't like Baco. You like Henry Appellum Baco. No, I, 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 you know, I think when we first started having these conversations, I was a little bit more on the fence about that, but we, we taste a lot of wines in a year, and Baco gets mixed in with that. Um, and, you know, the reason why we don't talk about Baco Noir very often on this podcast has nothing to do with our prejudices and, and discrimination, because, um, you know, I've talked before about my disdain for underripe Merlot mm-hmm. in the province. But when it's good, it's really good. And I talk about it. And I'll, I'll give a shout out right now. The 2017 uh, Southbrook Triumph Merlot is, it's outstanding. I had a chance to taste it this week and it, it moved me. Like, it was incredible how good this wine is. You had another movement. I did have another movement. Um, that being said, if we ever find a backhoe that knocks our socks off. And, and it's not from Henry Pelham. That's it. We'll and tell, and we'll I, know, tell you. I know a lot of winery owners are, are listening to this. Uh, by all means, take your best shot. Um, you know where to find Michael and I. We'd be more than happy to taste it. And yep. if you, it is good, we will talk about we it. Would, uh, you know what? I'd, I'd even do, uh, if we get enough in, I would do a live backhoe tasting with you right here. If everybody would just, you know. Oh, now that's now there's a risky proposition. Correct. I, but if you there, have, are, you if have there to is be... anyone who works for a winery who's willing and able, I would be more than happy to taste through uh, Baco Noir live on the podcast. Yeah. And maybe we can see if there's someone else we'll put in the hot seat. Maybe maybe Conrad would join us in the hot seat. Oh, yeah. That. That'd be a good one. Yeah, let's get Conrad in here. So, yeah, if we get... Uh, we get Half a dozen to a dozen. Oh God, we, we're actually committing this to tape. That yeah. means no. If we if I get if we got that many bacos from from people who think you know you, they make a good baco and aren't afraid of three people sitting around a table trying the wine and giving you honest feedback live, like not you well, know let's taste them first, like popping corks, cracking caps, trying them live. I, I would definitely do it. Just but you got to be you got to you got to commit. Because okay. we wouldn't edit. 
Here's here's something. That I'm, do you want a bit more of this? Sure, I'll take a. I don't usually say, yeah, I'll have another splash of Baco. No, I took that last splash of that Baco and it rolled off the back of the tongue and uh, it's satisfying. Yeah, no, this one's a good one. Uh, and I sadly, I, I have to be honest. We'll uh, we'll find it for the um, uh, for the um, the the write up how much it is, but uh, I don't know. I think it was a. 20, 24 to thirty dollar bottle of uh, yeah of Baco. Let's think. take a look here. Oh, he's gonna look it up, folks. I will look it up. You know, Google I put machine. out a tweet a little bit too while we're talking about other things that sort of grinding our gears. Can wineries like everywhere please stop putting your wine in whiskey barrels, please? First of all, tobacco smoke yes. is coming through, and that's kind of nice. And cigar cigar box, and yes, whiskey barrels are just not something that um, should have. Uh, wine in it you know and i'm really thinking about that because of the amplified vanilla in in this particular wine and i mean it's one of those things where i think even the speck brothers admitted like it's a way of you know you you have a, a lot that you're working against when you're working with baco noir to yeah. make it taste to throw it in american oak and and i and i get that but i don't it's i don't get it's 29.95 this is respectable at 29.95 yeah. but i think we're at the i think you're at the ceiling of what people would pay for for a Baco, for and this a, is obviously a, a li- very limited edition uh, Baco, the Bin 106 or whatever. But I would agree with you. The whiskey barrel thing, I think, has run its course. And I am so tired I understand the labels behind it. Like, I know that there's there's a market for that, that style of winemaking. But it's also, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of people in the Ontario wine industry who are working really hard against themselves and the terroir where they're trying to please everybody. And let's face it, there is a segment of the market that is interested in warm climate wines. And that's okay. Like, I don't like country music. That that doesn't mean I'm waiting for the country artists to make an album that I am going to love by betraying what it is they are at their cores and there's i'm not a big country music fan either but just to get off on a tangerine here for a second country music is like the new rock and roll and uh, i don't like twang in my country music but i like i like you're you're taking away from from the analogy analogy that we're making it's just sort of the point i'm making is you know i feel like uh for the cool climate wines that have worked their ways into whiskey barrels that i've tasted is you have winemakers who are trying to make cool climate wines taste like warm climate wines and, you know, I respect yeah. you trying to capture that part of the market. I think it's important. But there's certain people who are just, you know, not going to ever like cool climate wines. Yeah, I, I get that. The whiskey barrel thing. And I think it's running. Even you no, know, no, look, um, the even hot climate wineries are, are putting wine in whiskey barrels. And yep. I, I don't think that really works either. I just think they make them sweet. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, I hate to say it, it's like the apothic crowd times 10. Do you know what I mean? Apothic is, I understand why people drink apothic. It's easy drinking, but then you throw it into whiskey barrel and now you've added, you know, extra sweetness to that wine, extra smoothness. Let's call it that for lack of a better term. And you're really getting away from, as you said, the terroir, the, the, what makes wine wine and turning it into to soda pop with other bubbles. But I mean, that's the thing is, is like even it's one of the great things about the entry level of Ontario wine is, uh, I, I don't want to, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop what my next sentence was. Cause I don't want to name any specific wineries, even though they probably know who I'm talking about, but it's one of the great things about entry level Ontario wine versus your apothics is that entry level Ontario wine, entry level VQA Ontario wine is terroir driven. 
Correct. It does yes. taste like the, the province, whether it's, you know, from the large winery in the Lake Erie North Shore, which has a different taste than, you know, the two large companies that make wine on the Niagara Peninsula. True. So then that, that brings us to the next thing, uh, like a Passamento, let's say. Huh. Where, do you, where do you go with that? And I, and I know that we have, we have a colleague, Tim Appelt. Who uh, wine, at Wine Discovery? I believe that's his his Twitter handle. Yeah, and uh, we should reach out to him because I know he's totally, totally, totally against a Passamento wines in from Ontario. Well, and the late Gord Stimmel as well uh, has had some very or had some very strong feelings about a Passamento wines as well. Here's the thing about that is, I'm is afraid it something we should be doing here. I'm afraid to speak in definitives because I'm, I'm in the middle of going through our notes from our, our tasting with Andre Lipinski. And I know that was months ago, but yep. let's face it. We tasted so many wines that day. There was a lot to digest. Correct. But like, th- there was nothing that we tasted at Big Head that shouldn't have been made. Those were all very Cor- tasty wines. Correct. What, what, I, what I'm getting at, there's some people that are good at it, some are bad, and some just, they're just doing it to... I, I just don't know. I, look, I've tried some stuff from Pilateri, and Pilateri does a great job at, at it as well. And they're yeah. doing really interesting stuff, like they they're growing the first and making the first Corvina yeah. uh, uh, from Ontario. They're making a, a Molinara Rondinella Corvina blend. They're making a, a straight Corvina. Like this is all really interesting stuff, and those are traditional Veneto grape Valpolicella grape varieties, and that's that's something interesting. And yes, I think it should be played with. Should Cabernet Franc be made into a Passamento? I think the jury's still out, but I'm leaning, you know, for the most part, no. Um, should Syrah? Should Cabernet Sauvignon? Maybe if you want to ripen it. I know Conrad just wrote an article for Quench Magazine about uh, the Apasimento wines that that he got to taste, and I tasted a bunch of them with them. And you know, they, it, it's it's so hit and miss with with what you're getting, and and, and I don't know, maybe that's another one we should we should yeah, throw out I there. Think we, I think we need to dedicate an, an entire podcast to it. I also think that I also think we need to like sit and maybe taste through a few more of them. I but I know. So maybe our, are... our, our experience hitting your cellar, hitting your cellar yeah. with a Passamento wines that were no older than five to seven years. We're not even talking about like this 20-year-old Cab Merlot from Chateau de Charme. We're talking about wines that are five to seven years where, you know, it doesn't just, Passamento doesn't amplify the good, it amplifies the bad, and volatile acidity in your wine. Just went, just went over the charts. So and I... we've never had a good old Passamento wine from your cellar. I know that for a Correct. fact. Correct. Yeah, I've, I've had bad experiences with older uh, a Passamento from Ontario. So, well, so I we, guess we, the yeah. bottom line for this this podcast, we off, hate yeah. the VQA logo, like well, the old shadow. I wouldn't, shot I wouldn't say wouldn't say hate, but you know, VQA is not too late to uh, switch back to the old one. Just saying. Yeah, you, you, I don't know if you spent money on it or whatever, but I don't think you got your money's worth out of it. How about that? Uh, we like the old Shadow to Charm logo. We really like the, um, you know what I feel like we are at the moment? It's like a Siskel and Ebert thing, right? We yeah. liked this movie. We didn't like this movie. We split on this movie. Um, no, this Baco gets two thumbs up. Two for thumbs sure. up for sure from uh, that Baco. I mean, am I going to buy a ton of it as someone who drinks a lot of Ontario wine? Probably not, but I, I picture myself buying a bottle would, in the future. Holding, a, it, holding it for two years, drinking it young, and... Raising a glass to if you're a Bacco fan, and Daniel. If you're a Bacco fan like my brother, uh, I think he'd be all over that. So they're my my brother and sister in law love uh, love Bacco from uh, Henry Pelham. I walk into their house and I see it all the time, and I'm always like, I don't know about you two, but uh, you know, still, uh, that's that's a good bottle. 
And uh, what else did we talk about? Oh yeah, Pasamento. We're still uh, we're still up in the air about. Yeah, that was a tangent. We're we're going to dive into that. That's a tangent. But if, if, so, if, if again, if wineries out there want to descend, we'll be happy to do a lot. We'll bring in some guests. Maybe whiskey Tim. barrels. Whiskey barrels bad. And whiskey barrels bad. But I mean, that brings another another question. And I want you to just give the yes or no because I don't want to drag this on. But is the customer always right? Because clearly, there's a market who wants the whiskey barrel wine. If you. Uh... If you could, I guess if you can sell it, do it. But at some point, the customer is going to turn away from it. Yeah, it I feels like it feels like a short play, right? It it does. It feels like like, like it's got it's got a lifespan of like three years on it until max. somebody gets a taste of real wine, and then they're going to go, yeah, you know what? What have I been drinking? All right, uh, I'm Andre Prue from UnderWineReview.ca. Uh, make sure you check out the Patreon. You're going to hear more about our Patreon in just a couple seconds. So, uh, Michael, you sign yourself off. I'm uh, Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Um, I was thinking maybe we offended some people on this one, and uh, sorry. Angry oh. phone calls to Michael Pingus. Uh, that's where they go. Hey, you know what? Uh, cheers. Mm. And uh, tobacco. No, but still, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel owner of iSellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake or check out their website at iSellers.ca. Find out how you can support us, like Adnan, by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine.